So about 15 years ago, during the dot-com days, when everybody was going to be a billionaire, I had a Porsche 911 Cabriolet. So one day, I'm at this stop sign in Menlo Park, and I look to my left, and this car full of teenage girls are looking at me, smiling at me, laughing at me. So I think to myself, God, you have truly arrived. They know about your work as a venture capitalist. They know about your work at Apple. You know, Even teenage girls know who you are in Silicon Valley. So one of the girls looks at me and says, roll down your window, and making the motion to roll down your window. So I roll down my window, and she says to me, are you Jackie Chan? Internet marketing for smart people. Radio. Weekly tips for building and marketing your profitable business online. From copyblogger.com. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Internet Marketing for Smart People. This is Brian Clark from copyblogger.com, and I am pleased to welcome Guy Kawasaki to the show today. Guy, as you probably know, uh, has done a lot of things, but I'm going to run them down for you anyway. He is co-founder of Alltop, which is the essential one-stop shop for popular content uh, on the web. Uh, he is a venture capitalist. He is notably the former chief evangelist for Apple, and he's the author of 10 books in his spare time, the most recent of which is called Enchantment, The Art of Changing Hearts, Minds, and Actions, and that's what we're going to talk to him about today. Guy, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm over here in New Haven, Connecticut uh, on a trip, road trip with my family looking at colleges. Wow. That sounds exciting. Um, Guy has four children in addition to all that other stuff, so <laughs> don't tell me you can't get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, so let's get into the book a little bit. I have to, to admit, as soon as I saw what the topic for the new book was, I was enchanted myself because obviously at Copyblogger we're all about uh, value-based persuasion and content marketing and and doing great stuff to get people on your side to know, like, and trust you, right? And uh, yes. that's kind of your theme. What what brought you to the topic? The, what brought me to my topic is about 30 years of doing it. Uh, I started in the jewelry business, believe it or not, counting and schlepping diamonds. And that really requires enchantment. Well, not the counting part, but selling of jewelry from a manufacturer's standpoint. Then I worked for Apple, where my job was to evangelize Macintosh. And that took enchanting developers so that they would believe in the Macintosh dream as much as we did. And so for my whole career, I've been enchanting people, and I became a big fan of Robert Cialdini, who wrote a book called Influence. And I also became a fan of Dale Carnegie, who wrote the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I thought I would take a stab at it and write a book uh, that took into account uh, websites, email, you know, Facebook and Twitter but founded on the principles of you know, both Cialdini and Dale Carnegie and my own experiences um, in the real world, so to speak. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Robert Cialdini has been a big influence on me, no pun intended. Um, yeah. For you, those of you who haven't read the Bible of persuasion, uh, influence, science, and practice, I uh, wanted to ask you about that because obviously you use uh, Cialdini's studies and examples quite a bit during the book. How much? But, but you have lived this for thirty years. How much stock do you put in 
the social psychology studies uh, that kind of verify what you already knew probably from your days in jewelry? Well, I, I loved his work. I mean, I still do love his work. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, you know, arguably, he and I compete, right? We're competing for this market of people who want to become more persuasive and more influential. Uh, but to my utter amazement, uh, not only did he give me a blurb for the book, he has actively marketed my book. And so, you know, talk about reciprocation and social proof and all the good stuff he talks about. Man, that guy, that guy walks the talk. Um, I've been flabbergasted at the amount of help he's been giving me. So uh, needless to say, uh, he knows I would do the same for him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that reciprocity thing is pretty strong. But, yeah, you so, know, it's funny that, that online uh, people tend to think of business as cutthroat or, you know, dog eat dog. But it's the people who can go ahead and say, yeah, technically we compete, but I think there's a big enough market for, for everyone. Yeah, you know, it really is. A doggy dog world only if you're a dog. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. But uh, I think in one of the chapters uh, I cover about both likability and trustworthiness, one of the keys to being likable and trustworthy is that you are a baker, not an eater. And so an eater sees a pie and wants to eat as much of the pie as possible, whereas a baker says, I'll bake more pies and I'll bake bigger pies. And the people who are bakers generally are more enchanting because – you know, people don't view them as competition and trying to get their dog food away. Um, they're trying to make this rising tide that floats all boats. So, you know, that's a key point of enchantment is that the, the world is not a zero-sum game. Absolutely. I love that metaphor of the baker. That's, uh, that's pretty instructive right there. Let me, let me get something out of the way because there's a component out there whether they're anti-marketing as a marketing strategy or just don't think it's necessary. But, you know, with social media, people think, well, if you've got a great product or service, it'll just work itself out. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> they're seriously deluding themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I used to think that, but and that was in the mid-'80s. You know, when I first saw Macintosh, it was so clear to me that Macintosh was better than anything else out there. So all of us in the Macintosh division, we were drinking the same Kool-Aid. I mean, we weren't even drinking it. We were injecting it directly into our veins. And we seriously thought, you know, this is the end of IBM. We're going to introduce Macintosh and, you know, IBM will be like selling used typewriters on the side in the back <laughs> office depots. And clearly that didn't exactly happen. So uh, one of the things I learned is that the irony is that the more innovative and the more uh, revolutionary and paradigm shifting and curve jumping and all the good stuff you want to say about something, it may be the more likely you have to enchant people because you still have to move them off the status quo. And so, it, you know, if you're not innovative, if you're just doing a Me Too product that's a few percentage point better and you're fighting on price, don't read the book. Maybe you don't read the book. Uh, but if you're doing something dramatic, uh, you really need the book. <laughs> It's interesting to me that people point to Apple as an example. Well, they just make great stuff. And Mark, Apple's one of the greatest marketing companies ever, except I like to say they bake it into the product. Yeah, they bake it into the product. Apple is arguably anti-marketing. I mean, depending on how you define marketing, but many people would say marketing is this process of determining the needs of your customers and engaging them and, you know, blah, 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 and then delivering product. Um Apple, in that sense, is anti-marketing. They don't listen to customers. They don't ask customers what to do. I mean, 
Apple's idea of a market research project is Steve's left hemisphere talks to his right hemisphere. That's the whole focus group. So uh, on the other hand, you know, if you're Apple and you have two hemispheres like Steve's, uh, maybe you don't need to do market research. And you know, Apple's on this hot streak uh, ever since I left, actually. <laughs> maybe that's the, the reason why Apple's on a hot streak. So, I, I, but you know, the, the important thing with Apple is that you shouldn't look at Apple and say, ah, that's how Apple did it, I can do it. Because it's not true. I mean, Steve Jobs is a unique individual. And and to say that, well, if Steve does this this way, I'll do it this way too and be successful. I mean, that is not necessarily the case. And also what people tend to do with Apple is they look at Apple's current actions and they figure that that's what made Apple successful. And that's not true. What made Apple successful is not what it does today. For example, you know, it has this totalitarian control over iPhone, iPod, and iPad apps, right? You have to submit, they have to get approved, they have to sell to the company store, you know, all this stuff. So you look at that and you say, well, so that's what we should do. We should have a totalitarian company store. We should hold a gun to, you know, a developer's heads and all this. Uh, but that would be exactly the wrong conclusion. I mean, 20 years ago, when I was doing this Macintosh evangelism, we had completely the opposite attitude. You know, we held no guns to developers' heads. We begged, borrowed, stole. We did whatever it took. We crawled to them to ask them to do software. We didn't control how they sold it. We didn't certify it. We didn't do any of this. It was completely the opposite of what happens today. Arguably, if we had today's attitude back then, Apple would be gone. And Steve Jobs would be like, you know, Northern California sales rep for Oracle right now. Uh, it would be a different world. Yes, absolutely. And, and you, you make a good point about market research because often the market doesn't know what it wants. And, and Jobs is, is great. And it, it's a sense that he understands intuitively uh, and maybe he is the market. That's yeah. uh, 37 Signals is that way and that's how we develop our products, which is if I need it, there's a good chance our, our people need it because yeah. I'm like them. I once uh, attended a speech by Michael Moritz of Sequoia, and he is arguably, you know, the greatest venture capitalist ever. I mean, he's, you know, Google and Yahoo and YouTube and all these kind of big, big successes. And he said that, you know, what Sequoia or what he's looking for are two guys in a garage, two gals in a garage, guy and a gal in a garage or a dorm room, and they're building the product that they want to use, which is very different than building the product that they think the analysts and the A-listers say is necessary or building a product based on the total addressable market. You know, they're building the product that they want to use. And then let's hope that it's more than two people who want this product. <laughs> and sometimes people do make that mistake. You get a little too nerdy into what you would like and no one else wants it. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's still a good rule of thumb. Well, that can definitely happen. I'm, I'm not saying that just because you like it, there will be millions of people who like it. On the other hand, you know, the, the the theory that you build the product that uh, according to, you know, CNET or Wired or New York Times or whatever, according to what the A-listers want, that's no guarantee of success either. I mean, by the time an A-lister says they want something, it's too late. Okay, so in the, <laughs> you still need something great. Uh, that's yes. a foundation, but it's uh, more than that. And we like to say, you know, from a content marketing standpoint, online marketing, you know, most of the battle is getting people to know, like, and trust you. And enchantment really brings us home both 
both on the, the psychological and social studies uh, as well as your own experience. But it's deceptively simple. I mean, you, you talk about push and pull technologies and, and approaches online. Give us some tips about getting noticed in the first place. Well, in, in social media, let's, let's take Twitter as the first example. Uh, I think the key to Twitter is to p- constantly push out links to good information and not just good information that you created, but good information that you've curated and found. And the, the key here is that you, know, you want to be known as a Twitter account that is a subject matter expert. And you know, in your case, it would be subject matter of marketing. Um, and so, you know, if, if you come across a great story about, you know, the top 10 tips for using Facebook fan pages, I, I think that a marketing person or someone who aspires to be a marketing expert would tweet out, you know, this is a link to a great story. So you want to be known as a content expert. So that's how I use Twitter. As far as Facebook, I think Facebook is a completely different animal and, in, in Facebook's case, you have to you have to pull people to your Facebook fan page, which is very very difficult. I mean, with Twitter, you just blast out a tweet and you know hope it, it sticks. But with Facebook, you know you have to suck people into your into your website. And I found the most effective thing for for that is pictures and video. Uh, I, I send tw- links out in Twitter, and I send pictures out in Facebook. Interesting. Um, and I know that uh, your strategy with Alltop, and I love Holy Cow as the uh, um, uh, your blog, um, that's just always fascinating stuff. But, you know, Alltop is a content aggregator. Yes. Um, so in a sense, both with your blog and the Twitter stream, you are almost a- always promoting other people's content. So uh, this kind of goes to the win-win yeah. Uh, that you talk about an enchantment, which it's good for you and it's good for them and, and everyone's happy. I know you featured us. Um, and my approach to Twitter is the same. Some people say, well, it's about conversation. But I, I found that most people uh, want the links. And I try to do three <laughs> of other people's stuff to one of ours as a balance, you know. If- yeah, I, I'm probably doing, you know, 200 of other people to one of mine. The way that people should use Alltop in social media is pick a topic that you want to be ex- expert about. Alltop probably covers it. So you go to, let's say, you want to be a, you want to be known as an expert in food, right? So you want to appeal to foodies. So you go to food.alltop.com, and at food.alltop.com, there's probably 300 food blogs that are aggregated. The last five stories. You look through those headlines, figure out which is an interesting, you know, some interesting story about I don't know, new kind of decaffeination process invented in in Belgium or something. I don't know. So very interesting story. You grab the story, you read the story uh, via Alltop, and you say, oh, yeah, you know, this is an interesting story. You grab the link and you tweet it out. And so I think the the three best sources that I have found for finding interesting link are my own site, no coincidence there, Alltop, Uh, another company called Smart Brief, which does daily summaries of news by topics and the last one is stumble upon and if you can't find something interesting using those three sites something's wrong with you yeah absolutely and your point about scanning headlines is a good one because if the headline stands out to you it's going to do well if if it doesn't 
you know, I, I occasionally will rewrite people's headlines because it's a good article with a terrible title. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I write – I rewrite almost every headline. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, my theory on headlines is the two best words to start a headline or the four best words are how to and art of. And if you, if you just stuck to that formula, you'd probably do better headlines than most people. Yep. How to, especially, uh, you know, the numbered posts, everyone says they're trite yep. and done, but they've been working for a hundred years at least. They're yeah. going to keep working. So I have a theory on blogs that the, the quickest or easiest way to figure out if a blog has good content is to see if it has a bulleted list. That's my algorithm. Yeah. Well, it's just digestible. I mean, people yeah. don't read on a screen the way even books such as Enchantment, Seth Godin's books, look how they're written. Easy, good substance, but paragraphs that are, are digestible, you know. Yeah. And uh, people who put dense amounts of text on a blog post are just waiting to be ignored. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know, when I, when I look at a blog post and it's a thousand words and there's not one subhead, not one bullet, I just dread reading it. I, I pretty much give up right there. Right. Okay, so create content, promote other people's content, and social media will do a lot of the work for you. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right, so people are starting to pay attention to you. Um, you're adding some value with, with subject matter expertise. And we talk about creating um, authority. Uh, going back to Cialdini's six elements of influence, authority sounds like a policeman or something like that, but we call it the likable expert or the trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you get people to like you when they haven't met you in person? It's purely online at this point. Well, uh, part of it is, I, I think, particularly online, you lead with content. When people like people who find good content. Right? It's just, yeah. right? If you're a dope and you find crap and all you're doing is tweeting out that your cat rolled over, I mean, I suppose, I mean, if you're if you're like, Paris Hilton and you say your chihuahua rolled over, I guess some people would find that interesting, but you and me saying our chihuahua rolled over is not that funny or interesting. <laughs> so uh, online in particular, I would lead with content. And then likability uh, and trustworthiness. So you can lead with content, but you could also lead with a specific kind of content, which is content that is helpful to other people. And um, this means that when you see someone who's, let's say, struggling with uh well are you a macintosh user oh absolutely i'm an apple okay so so (laughs) i use i use the aperture for my photos right and i gotta tell you right now i just cannot figure out the difference between an album a folder and a project Mm. so so let's say that you know right now listening to your blog is is some expert in aperture and he's written a blog post you know this is the difference between a, a a folder an album and a project. And so he sends me a tweet, you know, guy, I heard you and, you know, this explains it all. And so that guy has just provided me assistance and, you know, using the Cialdini rules. So now that guy's provided me assistance. Well, I have to reciprocate. I owe this guy something. And one of the things I can pay him back with is retweeting him, which is good for everybody. It makes me look good, makes him look good. But also, you know, just helping him back and telling people about this great resource I just discovered in in aperture expertise, uh, and I think that's how the world works. And it, it's interesting again because with content online, 
you hit so many of those um, influence triggers without even trying. You're you're giving something valuable away that kicks in reciprocity. You're the, the likable kind of subject matter expert that kicks in authority. You're friendly with people and, and helpful that kicks in likability. I mean, you're you're halfway there already. Yeah, I, mean, I think you're more than halfway there. Yeah, and uh, and over time, I guess that leads to trust, which is the key to getting people to do business with you. Yeah. I, I, I have a, an attitude that, you know, most people will think I'm nuts, but, uh, I do a lot of pushing of content, obviously. And when I do push content, I have contributors. I have about 25, 22 people who contribute to the at guy Kawasaki Twitter account. So they're constantly looking for interesting things to tweet out. And, uh, on the other hand, for direct messages and ads and replies, it's only me. Okay. So, you know, contrast this to New York Times or CNN or Mashable. Those accounts are only tweeting out. And if you were to ask a question of Pete Cashmore at Mashable, you know, by, by sending a message to at Mashable, you won't get a response. That That is strictly a push mechanism for them. So what I try to do is I use 22 people to push, but I also respond personally. And so to many people's utter amazement, if they at me or direct me, I respond. And it's only me. It's never a ghost. Right. So I, I think that now lots of people have said to me, Guy, you know, how can you possibly scale? How can you answer, you know, Lonely Boy 15's question? And my response is, you know, for me, social media is not something that I do when everything else is done. Social media is core to my existence. And I have a marketing theory that nobodies are the new somebodies. So it used to be that the A-listers and the you know analysts and the journalists and the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, they used to be these sources that people would trust their reviews and if they said it's good, they would use it. I think the world is inverted now. And if Lonely Boy 15 likes it and tells his 50 followers and you know they tell their 50 followers and soon you have a few thousand followers and then the tens of thousands of followers, these people create – successes and then the a-listers have to report about it it used to be that the a-listers created the success but now they follow the success they report the success right it's kind of the uh, groundswell theory it, it trickles up instead of down yes yes okay i wanted to ask you one final question and uh Kind of interesting. So Cialdini started out when Influence first came out, it was written as a consumer protection book, basically. Uh You know, this is what the compliance experts are doing to you. And then 30, 40 years later, uh, he's been able to turn it around and say, uh, here's ethical persuasion and, and, you know, advises Fortune 500 companies, give speeches, uh, all that. Um, You, on the other hand, of course, are, uh, you know, you find uh, ethical marketing is just the way it is and yet you close enchantment with how to protect yourself against enchantment now let me ask you this is it really enchantment if it's not value-based and and it's aimed at manipulation Uh, it really isn't because i think enchantment means that you create a long-lasting deep relationship Uh, uh, you know it's one thing if I don't know. If HP persuades me or influences me or promotes me or markets me into buying an HP laptop, I'll buy a laptop. That's it. You know, end of discussion. You know, credit card clears, boom, done. On the other hand, if you look at a company like Apple, so Apple, 
I buy a Macintosh, then I buy an iPhone, then I buy an iPod, then I buy an iPad, then I'm on iTunes, then I'm using iBooks. I mean, it's I, 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 it's everything, right? Mm-hmm. So Apple has enchanted me, whereas HP has closed me. And so it's the difference between a transaction and enchantment is humongous. Yeah, that's HP versus Apple couldn't be a clearer comparison. I mean, I think I, I've got I think I've got a printer back here somewhere, but I don't have any relationship with it like with my iPad. But the, yeah, well, the irony is that I love HP. I mean, if you're in Silicon Valley, HP is one of those hero companies that everybody wanted to have the HP way, and so basically every dot in my house comes out on the HP printer. But somehow, you know, I can't say that I'm enchanted by these products. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're they're basically flawless for what they do, but you know, they don't bring a smile to my face. I don't, you know, put a HP logo on my car or anything like that. It's it's just different, and a lot of it has to do with the industrial design. And what amazes me every day, Brian, is like these companies. They have the money. You know, they have billions of dollars, and it's not like. Jonathan Ives is the only guy in the world with industrial design talent. It can't be, right? So if you're HP or, or any of these computer companies, if you have the money, why is it that you haven't hired Jonathan Ive away or you found the next Jonathan Ive? Um, why is it that you make butt-ugly stuff? I don't understand that. It's just a lack of taste. S- Steve Ballmer could hire anybody in the world to design stuff. and you know, Look at how ugly their stuff is. Except except for Xbox. There's an excellent documentary, and the name escapes me on product design and how much thought goes into it, and yet, uh, and actually Ives is, is featured on it. Um, yeah. And it's just amazing that more people aren't, aren't better at it, although you do see design as, again, it's baking an aspect of marketing in. Um, it's just amazing that more people don't take it seriously with all that money. Well, the, I, I, think, you know, you, I think you hit on a great point, which is, the ultimate marketing is baked in. It's not lipstick you stick on a stick on a pig, right? <laughs> right. If you have somebody beautiful, lipstick just makes her more beautiful. But if you have a pig, you still have a pig with lipstick. So the key is to not have a pig and not figuring that the lipstick will fix the pig. That's enchanting. Absolutely. Guy, um, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, pick up Enchantment. It's on the Kindle. It's in hardback, uh, paperback soon, Guy. Uh, no, it, it's only uh, about six weeks old, so I hope it never goes to paper. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be good, right? Yeah. So, so my uh, book, The Art of the Start, has never been in paper. It's just sold so well all these years that you know there's no reason. If you're selling you know, as many as you are in hardbound, there's no reason to cut the price in half. Right. You know? it's that might, t- not be the, <laughs> that it's might not be the most enchanting thing for me to say, but that's the truth. So. Yeah. Well, it's because <laughs> of the title, right? The art. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> no, that's, exactly right. The Art of the Start is also a great book uh, for any entrepreneur out there. Pick up enchantment, though, on the topic of value-based persuasion. Good tips that go in a lot more detail than we've been able to do here today. Guy, thank you so much for your time. Thank, Brian, thank you for your work, too. I really enjoy your work. And, you know, a lot of the stuff and the ways I write and all that is because of the influence of your work. Definitely, I'm a fan. So thank you very much, also. Thanks, Guy. Take care. Bye bye. Internet Marketing for Smart People Radio. Weekly tips for building and marketing your profitable business online. From Copyblogger.com. Thank you.